Good morning. It's good to be here again, and uh, we're thankful for all the kind words that were said about us this morning. Uh, it's uh, not that big a deal for us to get up and drive over here. Uh, we're happy, though, that you acknowledge our efforts, and, uh, and we're happy that you're so accepting. This is a great place to come. Uh, over the, what, two, three years that we've been serving this side of the state, uh, this, this church has been a highlight for us, and so we're very thankful for that. I brought my wife up here today. This is Fran, and she's going to tell you about the family. Oh, next slide, please. I got the clicker in my hand. Yeah, here we go. Ah, it's my fault. There we, we only go. count the grandchildren now. We don't count the rest. There we go. There they are. There they are. Thank you. Yesterday we had all five granddaughters at our house. Well, for two days they spent the night. So if I don't know their names anymore, it's because I called them by a hundred different things yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> was a little frazzled by the time they left. All right. But um, it was fun. But it was fun. On this side is our oldest son, Ethan, and his wife, Kim, and their son, Quinn, and their new baby that's on the way in November. So those are, will be our two grandsons for now. And um, we're thankful that God has just called them from Virginia Beach to Munising, Michigan. So... She's going to freeze to death, but I think she'll make it through. <laughs> and um, they're selling their house in Virginia, trying to buy one in Munising. It was What are they going to do in Munising? Uh, what are they going to do? I don't know. They yeah. just moved there. No. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be a um, youth pastor at a Christian school and a church up there. And so they have adjustment to do. He's been in school since he was three years old. And he just graduated for the 25th time, or I don't know what. <laughs> now he's got a job. Anyway, on to the next ones. On the other side is our middle son, Brett, and his wife, Christia, and their kids, Oakland and Letty. We call them all nicknames, so I don't. It's Oakland May and Aletta Lou. And so. They live around the corner from us. They're our closest grandchildren. They're the only ones that stayed in Michigan with us. So they um, live around the corner. He works in a factory, not in a factory, at a factory. He's an engineer, so he won't like me to say he's a factory worker. He's an engineer. And they serve in their church just down the road from us. And then the couple in the middle is our daughter, Rachel, and her husband, Drew. And their three granddaughters Aubrey's the oldest one with red hair, and then Elizabeth, and then Theodosia is the littlest one there. Oh, I forgot. The one on the left, they're going to have a little baby too, so we're just waiting to find out what that is. Yeah, that one's in the spring. And they are um, youth pastors at Allegan Bible Church. So we're thankful all of our children have migrated back to Michigan. Yes, all right, thank you. You want me to turn this off, or is this? Okay. Good. Thank you. And so uh, I'll be preaching off of the slides this morning, so you'll see me turning around a lot and, and looking at the screen. And our, our jumping off verse, or our key verse for the day is going... I did too many. Okay. Our key verse for the day is going to be Luke 2.52, and we'll just read that real quick, and then we'll go on with a ministry report. Uh, Luke 2.52 says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and man. And we're going to look at that today kind of with the aspect of what do we want for our youth 
uh, in Michigan? What do we want for our kids and our family? Uh, what should we all be doing as Christians, whether we're, no matter what our chronological age is, uh, but maybe what our spiritual age is, should we be growing in some way in wisdom and in stature and favor with God and favor with man? That's going to be kind of the, the topic and the blueprint that we're going to follow today. I'm going to use a lot of scriptures to back up scriptures today. I believe that's a, a good way to explain scripture is to just let scripture explain itself. We're going to throw a few analogies in there, and you're going to see, I hope, uh, what we all want to do and what we all want for our children, whether they're in our youth group or in our families or uh, you know, down the street from us and not yet attending anywhere. We want them to grow in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. And so I'm going to go to a, a, a ministry report first just to let you know what's been going on around Michigan with Word of Life. Uh, you can see a map there. Uh, we've got 33 churches now in Word of Life in Michigan. Uh, there's one in the UP at the moment, maybe another one coming on soon. Uh, then we got, uh, I think, uh, six or seven on the east side of the state. And uh, the east side of the state is just really starting to show signs of kind of grouping together and starting to uh, come together as a group of churches, leaders from different churches, and starting to do things. We're happy to see that. Uh, finally, that, uh, you know, uh, that there's uh, somebody that's paying attention to you. I hope you feel that way anyway, and that uh, we can get something going. And then the rest are on the west side of the state. So you can kind of see, uh, I've just kind of marked out a perimeter, and then where that one is in the UP, everything is in that area. And uh, our newest church that uh, just came on is in Mount Pleasant. So that's the only one that's kind of in the center of the state. The way that we used to break the state up in years past was west, center, and east, and there was 60-some churches in the state uh, using Word of Life. And uh, now, uh, again, we're down to 33, but 33 is good. We're doing really well on the national scale. Uh, Michigan is still one of the stronger Word of Life uh, states. Uh, we uh, have 61 clubs, so you have... Gophers, Olympians, and teens, right? So you got three clubs in one church. That explains why the club's number is different than the church number. So depending on how you want to count it, uh, we have 61 clubs, and three of them are here in this church. And so we're very grateful and very thankful that you have stuck with Word of Life and, and stuck with us as we came and introduced ourselves and started to get things going uh, over here in our time. And uh, as I said, this church has become a highlight for us. So uh, we have 15 evangelistic events a year, give or take, uh, somewhere in there. Um, I'll show you some pictures from some of those coming up. But we're averaging uh, about 140 salvations a year, decisions that we know about uh, with young people uh, through the ministries. That's when we're directly involved with somebody on a day, 140. Now that doesn't count when... Uh, maybe we're involved with somebody. We do a fast car. We did a fast car here last year, right? Uh, some kids got saved that day, uh, but some kids didn't, but they were thinking about stuff, right? And so potentially in the weeks following, the, um, the Olympian leaders could have followed up and led some of those kids to Christ. Typically, those, those don't get reported to us. And really, it is the local church that we want to uh, take the measurement on. But as we work on a day with anybody, uh, we, we usually have about 140. we got a four-year track record back in Michigan now since we've been back in the state. And that is the average um, 
over those four years. And so uh, one of those things that we do is fast car. And as we said, we had one here last year. It was a really good day that we had. Um, I don't think your picture got in. Nope, your picture didn't get into the slideshow this time. Uh, but it was a really good day. And actually, uh, some folks heard about it down in Garden City, the, the, the event that you had here. I guess they were looking at your Facebook page. They know your pastor and some things like that. And we had another one because of that in Garden City. And that day went really well as well. And so down there, we had a father and a son uh, coming and talking about Christ, and they didn't get back to us about the eventual decision, uh, but then there were some children as well. And so Fast Car, we did one uh, in the park there. Uh, that was part of a church event that um, uh, the pastor said, hey, we're going to do this car- carnival in the park. We'd like you to bring your track and be a part of it. And I said, well, is somebody sharing the gospel? Is, is the is gospel, gospel going to be part of this? He said, absolutely. I said, then we're there. And we set it up out in the park outside. We ran the track, gave away prizes. Uh, they had a bunch of tents around, and one of those tents was the gospel tent. And so the program went that you went around collecting points, and then at the end you could get prizes off the table for the points that you got. And we were a part of that. also emceed that event for them. It went very well. Uh, we're doing Nerf Wars now, and Nerf Wars among Olympians. So it's been a little more common uh, for people to do Nerf Wars with teenagers, but not so many people are doing Nerf Wars with uh, Olympian age or grade school kids, and we're doing that. Uh, they love it. Look how cute that is. I mean, it's just adorable when they're all, uh, you know, uh, got their Nerf guns and their masks on and everything, and they're just lining up, and it's the coolest thing in the world when a little first-grade girl sneaks around one of those bunkers <laughs> And gives it to a sixth grader right in the back, you know? Uh, it's, it's just fun. And so obviously we share the gospel with those and we have young people uh, come to Christ uh, through the Nerf Wars. And then uh, here's a golden rule that I follow and I kind of alluded to this earlier. Uh, my equipment stays in the barn unless the gospel is going to be shared, all right? So if you're investing in us at all, if you, you guys support us, you're investing in us and, and those things... Uh, we're keeping our priorities straight. Uh, we are a gospel-advancing ministry. Uh, we, we have a great curriculum for young people to grow and learn and, and grow in wisdom and in stature and favor with God and favor with man. Our, our curriculum does that. But on, um, on the deeper level, we're a gospel-advancing ministry. We talk about, with the teenagers, with even uh, the older Olympians, talk about sharing our faith. We give them ideas about how to share their faith. We even give training, you'll see later, about actually doing that and then giving them opportunities uh, to go out and share their faith. So that's a picture of one of our Gaga pits at uh, one of our reverbs. I just use that to say no gospel, no equipment. We're staying focused on the gospel advancing ministry of word of life through the clubs, through the events, and through everything. Uh, Everything that we do has got the gospel in it, and we're going to bring that gospel out And so here's another event that we do. This is primarily for teenagers, but uh, fifth and sixth grade Olympians can do this. Uh, And actually, anybody can do it. It's just that the obstacles that were created out here were a little bit bigger for um, a second grader or a third grader to do. Uh, But uh, we have a church that partners with us over on the west side of the state to do Slopstacle. And basically what this is is a mud run, and you don't bring your truck, right? Because most of those kids don't have trucks. And so they run through on feet. There's all kinds of obstacles up there. They see how muddy they can get. 
in this particular location, they have a, a volunteer fire department that comes and they put something like 60,000 gallons of water on this, on this obstacle course, right? Uh, they leave that obstacle course set up throughout the whole year. And then we do this in May, so it's kind of wet out anyway, usually. Then they put all that water on there, and then we have these teens run through there against the clock trying to earn a prize. And they'll run through that mud like crazy for just uh, a six-pack of soda pop or a two-liter and a, and a bag of gummy worms or something like that, you know. Uh, and it's really crazy. But we do, in this one, we share the gospel before they run because they get so muddy and so wet. Uh, and then the volunteer fire department is a training day for them. Uh, they get to practice with their equipment. They draw the water out of the stream or wherever they get it from a fire hydrant or whatever they do. And they use their equipment and they learn about their equipment. And uh, they spray off the kids when they're all done so that their mud is gone into the parking lot. And then they uh, can change into dry clothes and get their prizes. So it's a good event. It's a great event, actually. Uh, we do this very cheaply. People get saved there. Here's a picture of uh, a young lady who uh, ran an event. Actually, we share the gospel ahead of time, so she's not too muddy yet, right? But, uh, and then as another young person that was trained and leading her to Christ after we gave the gospel in a group, then we asked for a response, and then they go and they counsel with them and say, hey, do you understand what you're doing? Do you understand what you're asking God for? Why do you need to be saved? Make sure they understand what's going on and then just reiterate with them, you know, uh, if you're getting saved, if you're trusting Christ to be your Savior, and that's a heart decision that you've made, then you are saved. There's nothing that can happen. And we talk them through uh, the passage where um, we're in Jesus' hand, and Jesus' hand's in God's hand. Uh, that's in John. And so uh, we do that. And so uh, you can see them under the tarp, crawling through the mud, and a belly crawl and stuff like that. We don't uh, shoot live rounds over the top of them or anything like that. We, we keep it pretty calm, but... Uh, Maybe at this church, with all your hunters and all your, your uh, bow and arrow people, all your archery people, maybe we could work out something like that. I don't know. So uh, anyway, I spoke at your uh, game dinner a couple years ago, so that's why I was thinking of that. Uh, another big event that we do is Reverb. This year, Reverb is on November 4th and 5th. And this is an all-night event that we do. We rent out the Western Michigan University Rec Center. We have uh, Wing Stadium all the way till midnight, so they play a hockey game there. Uh, we'll have, you know, 1,400, 1,500 people in the crowd. Uh, the hockey game will end. The fans will leave and we'll stay. And we take over the stadium. We do a rally, we'll cover the ice. We do all kinds of stuff there. Uh, and we share the gospel there. Share the gospel from the ice into the stands. We ask for a response. This is a picture I think from last year or two years ago, I think it's two years ago, uh, of the counseling room, these young people have listened to the message and they've come back for counseling. And look around that room. We have young people witnessing to young people because those are people that we've trained. So if you know who they are, uh, you can see some of the orange shirts in there and stuff like that. If you know who they are, uh, you can pick out the ones who have gone through our training and they're able to answer those questions, able to make those responses. And then if something gets a little bit, uh, you know, somebody has a question that's a little beyond where we've trained them, obviously we're there to, to help with that and, uh, and take up those questions as well. Uh, but they're just really reassuring them and finding out, did you understand what you were saying? 
Did you understand what's going on? If you got saved, you're saved forever. You can't lose it. And that's the kind of thing. So we do this whole 24-hour, well, no, it's a 12-hour event, 6 o'clock in the evening till 6 o'clock the next morning, so that people will hear the gospel and get saved. This is a very attractive event for teenagers. This is something that they'll bring their friends to, which is really an important thing. Uh, and uh, we get a lot of kids who will come to this, but they would never go to a church building. Or uh, maybe... Um, they're from a different faith, but they'll come to this fun event and they're going to hear the gospel, right? And we have kids from different faiths, different religions, I guess you'd say, uh, come to this every year and get saved. And we turn their name in to the, young, to the uh, youth pastor of the church that brought them for follow-up. And we just try to, you know, come around them in that way. And so Reverb is a big, big deal and it's coming up soon. Uh, here is uh, part of the training that we do. This is Aaron Krause. Aaron Krause is a Word of Life evangelist. He lives in Michigan, further west than I do even. Uh, he's almost to the state line in Indiana, to the southwest, uh, in a place called Waterville. if you've ever heard of that. You'll have to Google it later and see if Google knows where it is. Uh, but uh, it's out there a little ways. Uh, so anyways, uh, uh, he's, uh, I work with him to train uh, for the gospel responses and different things like that. We also do a camp uh, that we can uh, bring people to. We call it evangelism camp. Young people, they come. Aaron teaches, we teach. Uh, we take them out actually witnessing on the streets uh, of St. Joe or South Haven or someplace like that. And it's kind of a small scale, like going to Chicago or something like that. Aaron goes to Chicago as well. And Aaron will... Um, Make a trip specifically for your group if you want to go. So, Greg, if you ever want to do an evangelistic trip and Aaron's around and I'm around or whatever, uh, we can do that for you as well and set those up. And then we do leaders training. And this picture is from the leaders training that we did in Pontiac two weeks ago. And you can see Greg and is Deanna. Huh? Deanna. Is she here? Oh, she's not here, and I remembered her name and everything. <laughs> Somebody's got to tell her. I told her I would learn her name. Okay? But they're there. We, we did this uh, training two weeks ago in Pontiac. And for Fran and I, this was a huge, huge deal because this was the first one in maybe three, four, five years. It's been a while since, since we had any over here. And uh, we really wanted to get that back together, going again, because we, we just believe that Youth leaders in the trenches, talking to other youth leaders who are in their trenches, uh, getting together, you know, hey, uh, we're seeing this. What do you guys do when this happens? Oh, yeah, this is what we've been doing, but we're seeing this. How, how, how have you been affected by this, you know, and, and talking and just kind of uh, not commiserating, but, you know, uh, <laughs> working together. And, 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 you know, just really being in the same page and doing that is just very valuable. When Fran and I started out and we were leaders uh, at our local church, there was a few leaders from other churches that we would seek out at these conferences just to see how things were going and what was new with them. And sometimes we felt like we had something new that we could share, and we were able to do that sometimes. And it was just fun uh, to do. So <clears throat> that's kind of our ministry report. And... Uh, we're going to get back into uh, the Bible message now. And so uh, back to Luke chapter 2. 
Uh, let me pray, and then we'll read through it, and we'll get started. Heavenly Father, we're thankful again for this opportunity, for this day, for your word, which rings true and stands, Lord. It stands forever. And Lord, we praise you and we thank you for your, your wisdom and your grace to us that we might minister on your behalf. We're thankful that you include us in ministry uh, and that you've brought us to a place where we can appreciate that, Lord. Uh, without you, we're nothing. And Lord, we praise you and give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. And so, let's pick this up in verse 40. Verse 40 of Luke 2 says, And the child, that's Jesus, grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. And now another new paragraph begins, Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days, they returned. The child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. Verse 44. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem Seeking him. Verse 46. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and his answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why hast thus dealt? Why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And that's Joseph, right? Small father there. And he said unto him, How is it that how how is it that ye sought me? Wist ye not that I be about my father, capital father, father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And then verse 52, And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. That's going to be something that maybe some of us are going to say, Hey, Jesus is God. How could he increase in anything? He's always just been, he's God and he can do everything and he can do everything. Well, we learn in Philippians that uh, Jesus emptied himself. To become a man like as we are. And he voluntarily set aside the use of his abilities so that he could grow and learn. And as the Bible says, increase in wisdom and in stature and favor with God and man. And so uh, to say that it's not it's not wrong to say that Jesus increased or that Jesus somehow had to grow because the Bible tells us that he did. Right. It's us that we got to work to get our brain around that. And we just got to understand that we don't understand everything there is to know about God or how this all works, but we can trust God's word to know that that's true. Okay? So I'm just asking you to kind of open it up just a little bit, okay? Because this is really a conflict for me when I was putting this together. You know, how can Jesus increase in anything? He's God and he's, he's perfect and he's all these things. But here's the Bible telling me that he increased in wisdom and stature in favor of God and man. And so I had to open up a little bit to do that too. In verse 46, 
we see Jesus increasing in wisdom. Verse 46 says, It came to pass after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors. Those are rabbis. Both hearing them and asking them questions, do you think they were talking about the sports scores? Or the weather? No. They were talking about God's word, his understanding of God's word, uh, how the rabbis were parsing it and all that. And um, they were astonished in verse 47 at his understanding and his answers. Jesus is 12 years old in this passage. And he's conversing with the rabbis on their level, apparently. Now, that fits the Jesus that I'm thinking about, that I normally think about, right? But still, the Bible says he's increasing in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. They inquired about God's word. We should pursue wisdom. If we want to grow in wisdom, we need to pursue it. If you're going to, I met an archery hunter over here. You didn't come from the womb with a bow and arrow, right? You had to pursue that. You had an interest in that and you had to pursue that. You had to learn it, right? Uh, We should pursue wisdom as students of God. Proverbs 4, 7 says, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy And with all thy getting, get understanding. Wisdom is the principal thing. Get wisdom and understanding. Knowledge is one thing. Knowledge is fine. Uh, I had a knowledge of, say, geometry when I was in school. I actually got pretty good grades in geometry. Not so good in algebra, but geometry, I did okay. Did pretty good. But it didn't become wisdom until I started trying to build something and I had to figure out how this angle was going to work, right? And how to measure it so that I could make it correct. Uh, When you're trying to build a a gaga pit, for example, there's eight corners on a gaga pit. You got to use some geometry to figure out how, how those corners go together and to get them right. Okay. That's when, it, that's when the knowledge becomes wisdom, when you begin to use it, and you begin to be able to use it, and you begin to be able to put it to work for you. And so with all wisdom, get wisdom, and that's the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all that getting, get understanding. Learn how to apply God's Word, the knowledge that we get from God's Word. Learn how to apply it to life. That's growing in wisdom. Ask for wisdom through prayer. This is a pretty famous verse. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. This is in the passage where, you know, uh, the Bible tells us to count it all joy when we have various trials. This doesn't sound like much fun, but, you know, how do I, how do, I do that? How do I understand that God's doing something in my life? Well, it's wisdom. It's the application of scriptures, it's the application of God's word to a life to help us understand that, yeah, going is tough right now, but this is going to produce in me something that's better. It's going to strengthen my faith, or it's going to give me a resilience that I didn't have before. And most of us that are a little bit older, we've kind of lived through some of those things, so we kind of get that. Some of us that are a little bit younger, we just think, you know, when... I mean, probably when I was younger, I would have just said, well, that's kind of an older person who's kind of making excuses for not having such a great life, you know, or something like that. 
But we really do. We really do learn how to uh, take our circumstances and apply them and grow by them. And, and wisdom is, and God gives us wisdom to learn how to do that, taking God's word and making that application once again. <clears throat> Seek wisdom through Bible study. 2 Timothy 2.15 Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, rightly handling the word of truth, taking God's word and using it correctly, Right? That's wisdom. Studying so that you can know what it says. There is a place for knowledge. We do have to know what God's Word says. Then we have to apply it. Okay? Rightly divide it. Rightly use it. Um, Study. The word study. What's the clear implication there? Well, I guess I got to take something in a book and open it up, and I got to look at it, and I got to read it. Maybe I got to make some notes. Maybe I need to pray about it a little bit. You know, maybe I need to have a daily devotional. Hmm. That was a short trip, wasn't it? We got there really quick. Study to show thyself approved unto God. In order to do that, you have to know what God's Word says. You have to be in it on a regular basis. Now, many of you probably have a Word of Life quiet time. Scripture does not say, thou shalt use a Word of Life quiet time. But Scripture does indicate that thou shalt be in His Word on a regular basis, right? And a good tool is the Word of Life quiet time. I would endorse the Word of Life quiet time to anybody, whether you're in a Word of Life club or not. It's just a great tool. And so use it. Study to show thyself approved unto God. Seek God's wisdom through Bible study. Psalm 5.3, my voice shall thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct it to you and I will look up. Regularly conversing with God. Having a heart that will say, God, I want to do this your way. I want to know what you say. I don't want to be this independent little speck of dust on the planet that's trying to make my own way. There's enough of that that's going to happen already. Right? Let's just say, God, I want to do it your way. I want to be in contact with you on a regular basis. We know there's verses in the Bible about praying regularly, pray without ceasing, uh, different ones like that. My voice shall thou hear in the morning. I'm going to set my day, my attitude, by you, God. Increasing in wisdom. Seek God's wisdom through Bible studies. Uh, 1 Peter 2, 2 and 3. As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted the Lord is gracious. This verse is one that took me a long time to really kind of understand. Till we had kids. You can't, a baby, a baby, some of you must have babies, right? The baby gets hungry and you don't have any milk in the fridge. Can you say to the baby, baby, I know the store's closed and tomorrow's payday. So tomorrow I'm going to go get you some milk. Is that okay, baby? The baby's not going to accept that, is it? Right? You know how much that baby wants that milk. All right? 
Now, if I wanted God's word as much as that baby wants milk, I would be in good shape, wouldn't I? I would be on that Bible. Nobody would be taking my Bible away from me. It wouldn't be gathering dust in the corner, right? I would be there more than just my quiet time, right? I would want to know what God's word says. I would want it just like that baby wants that milk. And thankful that we had babies to teach us that. And thankful that there were babies in the church that taught us that. And probably reflecting on my own self, even though I don't remember, I was probably like that because all the babies are like that, right? <clears throat> Second Peter 1.3, it says, Divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to glory and virtue. It is God's word that we need to live by. He's given us everything we need right there in God's word. And if you follow this passage uh, further on to verse 8, it, it ends up giving us a bunch of different ways to grow. You know, add to this, add to this, add to this as it goes on. It's a, it's a blueprint for getting our life right, for being growing, so that we're neither insignificant or unfruitful. I think that's in verse 8 of that passage. The Bible just tells us, do this, and then add this to it, and then add this to it, so that you're relevant as a Christian. Jesus increased in stature. We're going to call this maturity. He grew. The Apostle Paul gives us some, some insight into this. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, and I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now, Paul was a Jew, just like Jesus was a Jew. When they're 12, they're a boy. When they're 13, they're a man. Okay, they're, they're, not, they're, they're like an apprentice of some sort. Um, they're a person that is now being taught in manhood. I guess we'd say it that way. Like they wouldn't be elected to the council that sits at the gate or something like that. But they would be on their way. They would begin then, right? So when you're a child, you speak as a child. Child Children do that. We just had a house full of them the other day. One minute, they're at each other because there's only one ball and there's three of them little girls, right? Uh, one bouncy ball. And the next minute, they're all hugging and talking about I don't know what, because they all jabber so fast you can't hear them anyway. <laughs> but, you know, that's childish behavior. We expect that. We know they're coming. We expect that. We get ready for that, right? But when they become adults, we don't expect them to act that way anymore, do we? So spiritually, there's a change for us as well. As a brand new Christian, you might ask some silly questions. You might think, Wow, it's really, this is really deep, but can God make a rock so big that he can't move it? Wow, this blows my mind. Well, you know, when you grow up a little bit, that's not going to blow your mind anymore. Right? Because it doesn't matter. It's just, who cares? You know, God can do whatever he wants. So we need to grow. Put away childish speech. Uh, 
Matthew 12, 34, the end of that verse, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so certainly um, with our children, they say what they see, right? They say what they're thinking. Uh, if they try to deceive you, you can see their eyes going like that. And they're saying it with their eyes instead of their mouth, right? But when they grow up, we don't expect that behavior anymore, do we? We expect the heart to be right, to become right, and for the, the right things to come out of a mouth. Okay. Now, as a fellow sinner, is that always true? Well, sometimes that's more work than other times. But hopefully, I'm able to get it right before it comes out of my mouth. And that would be maturity, if I can do that. Okay. Um, again, sometimes it's harder than others, but that's the goal. Put away uh, childish understandings. 1 Corinthians 14, 20. Brethren, be not children in understanding, but in understanding be men. Be not children in understanding. Okay, look for the real meaning of things. Figure out, because you've been in God's Word and you're starting to learn how life goes and you understand that we're in a sinful world and you understand that God has given us a place of redemption and that we're with Him and that the Holy Spirit's indwelling in us, there has to be something more than negative here. And look for that. In understanding, be men, be adults. Put away childish thoughts and thinking. Uh, Titus 2, 1 and 2, and then we're going to just skip to verse 6 because it won't all fit on the slide. But, but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, uh, that the aged men be sober or serious, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, and in patience. And then verse uh, 6, young men likewise uh, exhort to be sober-minded. Okay, Right there you see a progression. The Bible's talking about us older guys, who've been around, uh, around the track a few times, right? Uh, being able to exhort and, uh, you know, be grave, be temperate, sound in faith, in, in charity or love, and in patience. Patience is a word that I wish wasn't, but it is, right? In patience. And then it says, young men likewise exhort to be sober. So young men likewise working toward that goal. A little bit of an assumption there that maybe the younger guys, and when I was younger, it wasn't, I wasn't, uh, that the younger guys maybe still got some coming to do, right, to get there. Put away your childish thoughts and thinking. And then Jesus increased in favor with God. And so <clears throat> when we enter this section here, um, we got to acknowledge Jesus is different than we are. I mean, he, we've always acknowledged that, but in, in this special way, Jesus didn't need salvation. Jesus is the Savior, Okay. But the rest of us, we need a Savior, right? So the first thing in God's will for any person to know him is through salvation. That's the first step. Nothing can happen until we are brought alive again by God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, his son, who died in our place, and our acceptance of that to become alive again in spirit with him. 2 Peter 3.9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, 
not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants your neighbor, your friend, your classmate, your person on your football team or whoever, whatever it is that you have. He wants them to come to know him. Jesus died for all those people. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That truth is Jesus Christ. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, 6. No man comes to the Father but through me. Quote, Jesus Christ. He's the truth. And the truth is God wants that for everybody. He wants all to know him. Then secondly, so our salvation is step one. Secondly, we find favor with God through a life lived for him. Okay? We're we're not saved just to flounder around, just to go about uh, living a worldly life, just like we did before we were saved. Um, We're saved to do the works of, that God has before time intended for us to do, Ephesians 2.10, okay? Acts 10.35, Peter is speaking, he says, But in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. People who are first saved and then living for them, living for God, for him, are accepted with him. Well, I don't like to think of God playing favorites. Well, if you're accepting, he, he's is not favorites. Everybody has the same opportunity for salvation. Once we get that ball rolling, once we kick that off, and we trust Christ to be our Savior, because actually he's the one that kicked it off, not us. But once we trust him and accept him, then we're there to follow. It's not favorites. We're there to follow. We find favor with God through salvation in Jesus and in a life lived for him. John 3.36, this is, I think, John the Baptist talking. He says, he that believeth not on the Son hath everlasting Sorry, I read that wrong. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. One sounds like favor, doesn't it? One sounds like not favor. That's where the favor comes in. You trust Jesus Christ, you get his favor. His favor is salvation. You don't trust Jesus Christ, you've chosen to live in your sins and to get what that brings you. And it's your choice. And Jesus increased in favor with man. How? By being a good example. And it's, this is easy to think about, Jesus being a good example to follow. I mean, even uh, other religious leaders from other, other faiths or other religions will say, well, some of them will say, well, Jesus was a good man. He was a prophet. Uh, we admire him. But they don't think he's God's son, right? By being a good example, Paul writes, let no man despise your youth, but be an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. This is all in the context of you being saved 
accepting the grace of God through Jesus Christ's sacrificial death on your behalf. Then we can say, be an example of the believers. You can't say, be an example of the believers to somebody that's not a believer. Or for somebody that's not a believer. Somebody from a different faith who says, Jesus is a good prophet. Jesus was a good guy. He's not a believer. That person's not a believer. A believer knows and recognizes that Jesus is the Son of God. Be an example of the believers. This verse is one that a lot of youth pastors will use. Hey, young people, you got value. Don't let anybody despise your youth. You know, you can do things. You can do this. You can do that. And don't, don't feel bad. What's the reason? The reason is because they can be an example of the believers. None of it has anything to do with age. Paul wrote this to Timothy. Timothy was probably about 40 years old. Scholars think. I don't know. I agree with them. It really doesn't have anything to do with age. Be an example of the believers. That's what you've got to think about. And here are some ideas. In word. What, what are you, what's coming out of your mouth? In conversation, that would be in your, in your um, behavior. How are you acting? In, in charity, that's love. You have a loving spirit. You, are you caref- careful? Are you care, full of care for others? In spirit, you know, do, do people think of you as a, a, a good person and in, in positive and helpful person? In faith, in purity, you know, purity has a lot. They use this a lot for purity, too, uh, with teenagers, about physical purity, which is a thing. But it goes way further than that. It goes all the way into your heart, into your mind. What are you thinking about? What's going through your mind? How are you handling that? Are you taking the bad stuff and, and are you capturing it and putting it away like the Bible says we should? Like, I mean, we could really use the whole Bible for this, for this sermon, right? I, I just had to cut down some verses somewhere. But, right? Are you following me? And so we come to the spot where we say, okay, Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature in favor with God and in favor with men. I, I get that now. I've opened my mind up a little bit. Jesus increased. The Bible says he increased. I'm going to accept that he increased. Now, what does that mean to me? Well, I need to follow Jesus. So what it should mean to you. There may be somebody in the room today that's never taken that first step. They've never said, you know what? I always thought Jesus was a good guy. I always thought he was a prophet. I know that everybody respects him, but I never thought of him as God. I never understood that he died for my sins. I never understood that I could just ask him. I could make a decision to place my faith and trust in him and ask him to save me. And And that would work. And that's exactly what, what Jesus has done. That's what God has done. Is he said, put your faith and trust in me, and I can save you. I'll save you. I've already done the work. 
There's, there's nothing left to do except for you. That is just as simple as decided in your heart, I want Jesus to be my Savior. I know I'm a sinner. This is the way it was for me when I was saved when I was about 10 years old. I realized, because I grew up in church, and I knew the Bible stories, and I knew verses, but there was a day when I realized I can't be good enough. I'm a sinner. My sin separates me from God. Jesus died for my sins. I need a Savior, and that Savior's name is Jesus Christ, and I'm going to trust him right now. And that's what I did when I was about 10 years old. That's as simple as it is. And that's as difficult as it is, too. You just have to decide. If you're here today and you've already trusted Christ as your Savior, what about these categories? What about these four categories? Are you growing in wisdom? Are you in God's Word? Are you making applications from it? Do you understand what it's telling you? Is it impacting your life? In stature, as you grow older, are you progressing? Are things going forward for you spiritually? Are you now maybe able to help other people that are coming along behind? We call that discipleship. Are you increasing in favor with God? Is your life a life that's marked by living for Him? I'm not saying everybody in the room has to go and become a full-time missionary like Fran and I did. Sometimes that's called and sometimes that's not. Sometimes you're called to be a real godly teacher in the school or to be a real godly person in that factory or, um, you know, as you are in the service industry and you go around from place to place fixing things, being that Christian witness that comes into a person's life uh, when their furnace breaks or when their plumbing is bad or whatever it is that you do. Are you increasing in that way? And that would also be in favor with man. Do people know that you're marked by Jesus Christ? Can they tell by the way that you carry yourself that you're a believer? They trust you. Do they like you? There's a lot, there's a lot of things to think about here. As Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and men, I would challenge each of us today Decide where we are. Maybe we need to trust Christ to be our Savior. Maybe we just need to pick it up a little bit. Start living like it. I'll leave the challenge with you. How do you want to handle that? What's going to be your next step? Not the person beside you. Not your spouse. What's going to be your next step? Heavenly Father, we're thankful for every opportunity you give us, and we're thankful that you love us enough to send your Son to die for us. We're thankful that, Lord, uh, there is a pathway for us to grow and to increase, just like Jesus did. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us find that, each one as an individual. Lord, we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.